0: Potential mothers, women as a whole, you know, like uh, Anthony had said, this is kind of one of those uh those holidays where people can f- feel pain uh, connected to it it's a difficult thing and and uh, we don't want to leave people out, you know what i mean and it's i I know we live in a society that says, oh I- inclusivism, 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 and sometimes I- that's not true it's kind of based in a lie, the worldly inclusivism is kind of based in a lie. But I think one of the things that we could strive to do is to have a compassionate heart, is to see things beyond our own understanding of things, to be willing to kind of see other people in where they are. And it kind of really works together with our message today. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So we found this great uh, thing by one of our pastors. It's called the Wide Spectrum of Mothering. Listen to it. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who lost through miscarriages, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with the pokes, prods, and tears of disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things that we don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointments, heartaches, distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. Um, To those who experience abuse at the hands of their mothers, we acknowledge your experience To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our lives. For those who have aborted children, we remember them and we remember you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way that you longed it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet the dream has not become into reality, we grieve with you. To those who have empty nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and we. Expecting and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. For Mothering is not for the faint of heart, we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you um, yeah <laughs> it's um one of the things that you you know you, you, rea- you realize as uh, God opens your heart to the condition of the world that there's we like to believe there's black and white answers for everything but But that's not true there's a lot of areas that are kind of gray and they're right in between and i think one of the greatest disservices we do the greatest injuries we do is we refuse to see it from a compassionate point of view from a tender-heartedness we're going to talk about tender-heartedness today so let's let's just pray father god i just want to say thank you thank you thank you thank you lord god uh, you know there's even part of your own nature that scholars have determined, has a distinctly mothering aspect to it. Your name, El Shaddai, means the one who feeds with his breasts. He feeds, you feed us. You know, Lord of God, it's hard to figure you out. You're, you're beyond comprehension. But I know this, every good thing that we see in this world can be directly traced back to you. And everywhere where there's pain, suffering, and loss can be traced where we've believed the lie that we can do it better without you. So, Lord God, I pray that you would transform our hearts. The ones who've been following you for a long time and the ones who maybe are here because mom asked them to be here. Lord God, can we ask you to do that? Lord, we know that you want to do it. So I think that if we pray knowing you want to do it we can expect to receive what we ask and we expect it and we ask it in Jesus' name amen okay psalms 103 this really is a wonderful and a beautiful psalm that speaks of the character of god better I, I know the whole bible speaks of the character of god but this speaks of the character of god in such a way that's super endearing listen to the words david speaking he says oh praise the lord oh my soul for all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. When he says, oh, that's a word. It's like, oh, oh, I don't say, oh, I say, oh, you know, you kind of feel it deep, deep in your guts. And David's feeling this, this appreciation deep in his guts. And this is why he says, let us not forget all of his benefits For who is the one that forgives your sins and heals your diseases? Who's the one that redeems your life from the pit? And he's the one who crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's wings? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. For he has made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. For the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse us, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Just like a parent, we have to remember that because God is good doesn't mean that he will not become angry with his children. Do you become angry with your children? I do, and I think that God sometimes get angry with me. But you know what, though, when I get angry with my children, I don't do one of these numbers and say, beat it, get lost, don't ever come around again. What I do is I strive to meet them where they're at. I strive to do something, to be a part of something that God does to bring them back into alignment. See, one of the things that grace allows us in Jesus Christ is when God sees the things in our life that are out of alignment, things that are in rebellion, he doesn't go, I don't want nothing to do with you anymore it incites his fatherhood it incites this desire to love his children back into grace man this is why we we celebrate mother's day this is why we celebrate father's day why would we celebrate these things if somehow god had woven the knowledge of who he is in our hearts let's continue on with the psalm for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him. And fear him is not this. Fear of God produced by grace is, I don't want to lose this good thing. You all know what that feels like. How many times someone cuts you off, they talk to you bad, they might even become violent to you, and you're like, man, i to meet their violence with violence. But then you think to yourself, wait a minute, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to lose my freedom. I don't want to be separated from my family. So you know what you do? You roll your window up and you just drive away. That's fear of the Lord. That's fear of losing out on this good thing. I don't, of all the things, I just don't want him to ever separate from me. I don't ever want to not hear his voice or feel him close because that's the only thing that keeps me going. I can tell you that firsthand experience. Let's continue on. So far as the east is from the west, west, he has far as he has removed our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west, folks? Infinite. There is no, there, it is infinitely far. There is no place that you could say, well, it's farther than this. The east and the west is on polar opposites, and he has forgiven us. He's taken our trespasses. That means he's taken the sins, he's taken this brokenness and this rebellion and things that we've done in the past the present and future and he's thrown it into this place where it will never be brought up again never be brought up again and then he says this now listen this is my favorite verse maybe in all the old testament he says as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassions on the one who fear him that's once again it's not fear based in punishment but fear based in love for he knows, listen, he knows how we are formed and remembers that we are but dust. How often does someone fail us? And we go, how could you do that to me? All the while forgetting, in the right set of circumstances, I can do the very same thing to you. See, we all want grace, but when we, uh, we've been sinned against, what we want is justice. Isn't that true? But God, the one who never sins, the one who never fails, the one who never ceases to meet the need of those who he loves, he says, I know how you're made. I know. I knew who you were when I picked you. You may feel unworthy, you may feel failed, you may feel flawed, but I knew you from before you were even a thought. (laughs) That is crazy, isn't it? Mm. For he knows how we are made, remembers that we are made of dust. For man... His days are like the grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place sadly remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness is with their children's children. Man, of all the things we want, we want to live our faith in such a way that we are the best ministers to our kids. And this isn't so that we can live in a witch hunt, and, oh, I'm so terrible, and, oh, I failed, and this and that. Be genuine, be humble, be honest, be committed. Pray, pray more than you speak sometimes because I've known this just for my own life. Nobody's going to talk me into correction. Nobody. I am like a wild horse. And so are you apart from grace. You know how God corrects us? Sometimes by letting us go. And run right into the thorn bushes that we were headed for. And then, there he is, right there. Not to go, aha. What he says is, come on, let's get those thorns out of your skin. All right, let's keep going, because this is a beautiful psalm, isn't it? But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with his children's children, with those who keep his covenant. What is this covenant? I want to be very clear with this. It's not due Or you lose or else it's i've done now live in that truth. That's the covenant of christ Remember the old covenant was thou shall or I will The new covenant is this is my blood which was given to you So that you and many could be forgiven for sins. This is my flesh I gave to you for you I live perfection for you and you so that you could have the perfection as you stand before me Do you know what's absent in that covenant? You and me. It's crazy. I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful gift. And strangely enough, you think to yourself, well, that just incites people to continue to live in rebellion. It does quite the opposite. It produces in us every desire to be submitted. It desires, it produces every desire for me to love you and you and you and you and you and you you, to the point of self-sacrifice. Now we're starting to get close to holiness. Please be uh, praying for me because last time I preached a very long time. Some who laughed. Ah, but I pray for you too. No, no, yes, I did preach a long time. I don't want to kind of hold you guys hostage, please. But from everlasting to everlasting, the love is with those who fear him and his righteousness, with his children, and those who keep his covenants and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rolls over all. Praise you, his angels, you, his mighty ones who do his bidding. You who obey His words, praise the Lord with all the heavenly hosts, you who serve, who do His will, praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion, praise the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, It's a beautiful song, it's a really, truly beautiful song, and I think about it as I was thinking about it this morning, you know, usually these songs came on 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 the on the precipice, not the precipice uh, on the back end of probably waking up and Looking backwards at your life, and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, I, you know, I wish I would have done this differently." Or <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have those th- times, multiple times throughout the day, where I look in the back. It's like the I'll have a flashback, and I'll go, "Oh my God, why did I do that? Why did, I, why did I think like that? Why would I?" And you know what? That's when uh, the oh my soul comes in. It's like your 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 mind brings you back to that valley day, but then it's the Holy Spirit that whispers in you. But that's no longer the reality of your life. Now you live as a different person, as a different creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's like gasoline to our spirit. That's what I said to Julian. It's like gasoline. He's there. He picks us up. He knows exactly when we're at our point of emaciation where you're like, I can't go anymore. Do you ever feel like you can't go anymore? Come on. Do you feel it? Because I do. I feel like it, but you know what? Here I go. I'm st- still here. Why? Because he keeps pouring the gas in. All right, listen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I was at a Bible study this last week, and Julian, I'm, I don't mean to put anybody out but he was the guy who was teaching. And uh, he did such an excellent job, and it was at the, at the back end of something that really could have thrown him off. Something that, uh, I'm not even going to talk about it, but it's something that really could have derailed him. Pretty good. Something that really, d- and he, uh, he asked the group one question. He said, can you define salvation in one sentence? And I was like, I stopped. I was going to say something, but I stopped. I, because you know why he said that last word, one sentence. I'm like, uh, uh." if you can't define something in one sentence, I think you really need to go back to the drawing board. You you really got to go back to the drawing board. And I thought to myself at that point, I should listen more than I should speak. And it became very clear as we were listening to the, the, the various answers out there, and there were so many great answers, so many thoughtful answers, uh, that salvation involved rescue. It, it, it involved me being saved and delivered. But you know that there's two parts of deliverance. It's being taken from and being taken to. And I thought to myself this week, what we have been taken from by the mercy of God. Well, first of all, like uh, our brother Jesus said, We have been taken away from being turned over to ourselves. One of the ways that I see as an example in the scripture is the way that God corrects his people by God judging his people is by saying, if this is what you truly want, then I'll let you have it. And one of the things that I know, if my flesh really desires something, if God gives it to me, it will become a curse very quickly. So many people think, well, if I could just escape my family, if I could just escape this burden, if I could just escape this responsibility, and then I could live on my own. Trust me, if this is not inspired by the Holy Spirit, if this is not part of grace and God's work of sanctification in you, it will become a curse, and depending on how stubborn you were to get it, it will become like tar on your hands. You will be hard to get rid of it. And you know what usually happens? You'll have to become like Nebuchadnezzar, where you look up into the heavens and you're like... (sighs) Here I am. And you know what? Here's a beautiful thing. I have never heard God say to a person, too late for you, kid. Too late for you. He doesn't do that. Why? <laughs> it's him. So we've been saved from being turned over to ourselves. We've been served, we have been saved from torment, from anguish, from insatiable thirst, from the pains of emptiness and complete hopelessness. And you know what I thought to myself? Yeah, nobody wants to go to hell. But did you know that you can have those things in abundance here? You can have torment to platefuls till it's coming out of your nostrils here. And you know what? Strangely, because we are so broken, it can be a preferred food. (coughs) It sounds crazy, right? You're like, why would you want to feel that emptiness? Why would you want it? It's like you're like languishing in it. Well. I, the only reason I could say is we're broken. We're very, very broken, more than we want to admit. So I, therefore, must think to myself, when I'm in that place of torment, when I'm in that place of anguish, when I'm in that place of insatiable thirst, God is saying, no, this is not what I have for you. This is not what I saved you to. Walk out from the grave. Don't go back to the grave. Come out of Now I thought about the other half of what it is to be saved. It became apparent as we were answering that we were also being saved to something. And one of the things that I want to say to you as my beloved, my church, my friends, my, my, my family, we don't live this life so we can go to heaven. We are not saved to go to a place. If that's your motive, get it out of your head. We are saved to a person, not a place wherever he is the kingdom is there you and i can experience a large aspect of the beauty of heaven right here right now i don't have to wait for five years yes guess what i I got bad news for you does he heal all your physical illnesses not always my friend just died last night of cancer the guy I went to go visit the other night just died had cancer. Terrible, awful. You know why? He was hanging on to death. He was hanging on to life. I'm sorry. But God showed him that it's in his hands, not, not my friend Roger's. But you know what? I do know this also as well. Where is he? He's in a place where all those things are no longer an issue. All those fears, all those angst, all that torment, all that possibility of being overwhelmed by the brokenness and the flaws of reality They're now gone. He is literally enveloped in the presence of Christ. I think about heaven all the time and being in the presence. It says to be away from the spirit, is to be present with Jesus in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. I lose myself in him, but somehow I don't lose myself. It's like I'm I'm finally who I was always meant to be. Does that make sense? And man, I just, I can't wait. But I do know this, I can have that. You can have that now to a certain measure. Not in perfection, because this is not a perfect place, nor are you a perfect person. But you can have it in abundance. Jesus says, I will give it to you in abundance. We all know that we are being now saved to something. And what is that something? We are being saved to being covered by God's perfect and his perfecting love perfect example. Remember the practical father? He sees his kid every, goes out every day looking for a son. Is he coming from that? Is he coming from there? He sees his kid from a distance. What does he do? Remember what he did? He ran, picked up his, his cloak, which made him look very silly. How many fathers won't look silly for their kids? <laughs> I would too. Uh, and he ran to his kid. And what did he do? He wrapped his arms around him. And you know what a great commentator said? He said, you know one of the reasons he might, have comment, he, he, he might have covered him like that? Because in the Jewish custom in that area, someone might have seen that son, been overwhelmed by their sense of justice, and picked up a rock and went to go with it at him. So you know what the father did? Put himself in between the kid and the angry relative and take the rock. He took shame and indignation and sc- Scorn and ridicule. Why? To cover. You know where Adam and Eve made their second big mistake? First, it was to lie. It was to believe the lie. They believed the lie. But the second one was when they tried to cover themselves. Once they did it, their eyes were open. They should have been like, oh, no. Let's call Father God now. We made a terrible mistake. But what did they try to do? Let's just cover it up. Let's just cover it up. Let's just cover it up. And they realized as they made this skimpy covering, they were like, I don't think that this made me feel any better. As a matter of fact, it makes me feel even more self-conscious. Woo! Man! Crazy stuff, isn't it? We know, we all know that we've been saved by grace. And that is what uh, we, that, if that is us receiving what we have not earned. We all understand that. It's important for us to remember that we have been saved by grace and not of works. Why? Because humanity has a terrible tendency to take the gift of salvation and pin it on their chest and take some level of the work and say, look what I did. No, that will build pride and separate you. It brings death. It's like just a tiny rotten egg in a beautiful dinner. You want one tiny rotten egg in in your cookie recipe? No, you don't want that. So it's important that we remember that we are saved by grace. And this is what grace is, that we have received what we could never earn by our own strength or effort. But, but, we are also being saved to mercy. And that is receiving what we do not deserve. See, so many people, and I'm not going to get into this theological debate because I know that it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But God is the one who chooses who receives mercy. Well, that's not fair. I'm going to tell you this. If God gave everybody what they deserved, we would all be cast into hell. Sad, but it's true. God says, you really want justice? You really want justice? You know, Habakkuk, he he went up in the tree. He's like, I'm not coming out of the tree for three years. You know what? I know that Israel's bad, but but, but Assyria? You're going to use Assyria? Those guys are violent thugs. You're going to punish us with them? I'm not coming out until you answer me. You know what God answered him? After three days, he let him sit there like a wise parent. And he said, Habakkuk, if I were to really start dishing out justice, do you think that I wouldn't stop at your door? Ooh. You know what, just that answer alone is mercy. I've been looking at the beautiful attitudes for now five weeks, and I think to myself, it's like a hand ladder. It's like we used to call it the monkey bars. Remember the monkey bars? Wah, wah, wah. This is how God sanctifies his children, by getting us from one rung of the ladder to the next. But we have to, I've learned this from the monkey bars, you have to have a firm grasp on the one that you're leaving before you can get a firm grasp on the next one. So it's a building process, it's a moving process, it's a growing process. First, I have to understand my desperate condition before God. And people say, yes, I'm a sinner, but if the word but comes after that sentence, you don't understand who you are apart from grace. We are incredibly broken. I don't care if you're a gangbanger, a heroin addict, or you're a banker who's helped three million orphans your whole life. We are all desperate sinners before God. And there's something deep inside of us that wants to be at war with the God who created us. See, this salvation wasn't a gift because we had a little merit. No, it's in spite of the fact that we have merit. That's why it's so glorious. So that's the first ladder, rung of the ladder. Then it takes me to the door of mourning. That's where I have a deep sadness over the natural human condition. You know what this then does? It removes from me pride because I sometimes, I don't know if you're, I will look at you, or you, or you, and I'll go, how could you do this? All the while forgetting all those times, if you looked at my record, page by page, would go, how could you do that? When I mourn, you know what gets rid, it just empties out of me like oil when you take that little plug out? Pride. You know, how could you come into church? I know your past. Look at you me so now we've gone from from desperate need to mourning and now from mourning we go to weakness this is where i grow in my willingness to be led and in my natural self i do not want to be led by god why because it costs me me i don't want to i would much rather have a, a relationship where god blesses me i like the blessings god i just don't like when you bless me by removing me from me so when I receive meekness, this then grows hunger inside of me. And what is the hunger for? That God's work would be done throughout the world by how? Using me. Using me. No longer, if I have hunger and thirst, I say, well, why did you ask me? Why did you? Here was a perfect example. I'm coming home from work. I had to work four hours overtime. Very grateful for that, right? Who calls me? This guy, I, I can't tell you his name. Uh, not from here. Promise. And he goes, hey, Pastor Tom, it's you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's me. He goes, I'm, I'm right behind you. And I'm like, oh, that's great, man. I'm heading home. I got food for the wife and me. And he goes, you have five minutes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He goes, can we go to the Dunkin' Donuts 10 uh, blocks back that way? <laughs> and I'm like, OK, sure. Let's go to the, to the thing. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> the whole time I'm driving, I'm like, really? Really, Lord? You know I got the pizza here. It's getting cold. Now I got to heat it up. I haven't eaten since 2.30. I'm kind of tired. And you know what I did? I went to the coffee shop. And you know what? I gave him 30 minutes. What's 30 minutes? It's not my 30 minutes. It's his 30 minutes. This isn't my life as much as I want it to be. But when it was my life, it was a dump. See, most people would never say that. You know why? Because you're better than me as people. I know who I am apart from grace, and I know where I would be. Anyways, he was blessed, and I was blessed, and God was glorified in it. But this then brings us to the attribute of God that demonstrates his glory most beautifully. And you know what glorifies him, what, in my opinion, glorifies him the most is his mercy. You know why? Because of his power, I have known a lot of powerful guys in my life, men who had serious power. There was a gangster that lived on my block. He was an enforcer for a guy named Stan Defano. He was no, a known murderer. You know what he wasn't? Merciful. Not. I've, I've known. A, I've known some people. I hope he's not watching either. But um, he was not merciful. You know, God is merciful. And the reason he's so beautiful in his mercy is because his power. It could easily demand that his power be made known by crushing us for our rebellion. And that's what I think is the most beautiful part. So let's look at mercy in its two parts. I've got 15 minutes. Let's get this done. A first, if I want to grow or I want to understand mercy, I have to become tender hearted to those who suffer are in need. Here's why I think that that's difficult, because we live in a very busy world. Is anyone busy here? Uh, Another thing is that we live in a world where suffering and need is abundant. Can I get an amen? Amen. Every corner, every nation, it's there. Suffering knows no borders because it is everywhere. It is hard for me to stay tenderhearted when I won't allow myself to look at dysfunction or pain. It's easy for me because I am in need myself and I am on an agenda and I I do have things to go to keep my head straight, looking forward, not looking to the right or to the left and I just go from one point to the next. I go from my house, straight to my car, from my car, straight to the next light, to the next light, to the next light, to my work, from my work, into my job, and then I do the same thing on my way back home. I must be willing to look around me. I must be willing to see both the beauty of this world and the terrible tragedies of this world. So many people are apathetic. You know why they're apathetic? Because they think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't meet everybody's need. And nor does Christ want you to meet everybody's need. That's not the point. But he does want us to see people. And you know what he also wants us to say? How easy could it be for you to be where they are? And you think to yourself, I would never... I was going down Chicago Avenue one time and I was with this guy and there was these young men and I know what they were doing. They were scout, scouting for a drug house down the street and they were kind of standing there. They had just shirts up and they were doing this. And he's like, look at these guys. Why don't they go and get a job? And at first I was like, yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. If I was born in this neighborhood, I would have done the same thing. And you know what? I couldn't hate them no more. I couldn't be angry at the situation because I thought to myself, God privileged me. By being where this didn't happen. Because I would have followed it. I didn't fall into sin. I loved sin. But God still had mercy on me. See, I'll have mercy on you if I feel like you just had an unfortunate break. But that's not mercy. Mercy is when you jump into the thorns and I still get you. See, that's the mercy that God has for his children. That's the mercy that he wants to grow inside of his children. Secondly, it requires for me to be compassionate. That's not just feeling. It is a strong feeling. It's the word splansomitsai, which means this, guts. Jesus exemplified it in, two, in so many different places, but the best one was this. I got to be careful. Teaching, got about 35 people around him. Guy sneaks up with leprosy. He's kind of doing one of because he got to kind of sneak in, because you couldn't come in, right? So he comes in, comes in, comes in, gets in the midst of the crowd. That's illegal to do. First of all, they were seen as contagious and, un- they were dirty. You couldn't touch them, couldn't come near them. And he stunk of rotting flesh. And he goes, "See me? if you're willing, you can make all this go away. you know what Jesus did? He looked at the crowd, and he saw their terror. They saw their, (gasps) get your children back. Step back. What's he going to do? And he was full of compassion and indignation. That's the word, the Greek word that's used. And then he said, I'm willing. And he touched them. And you think to yourself, well, what's the big deal with the touch? Why is that a big deal? To touch someone who's unclean makes you unclean he wasn't just healing this guy he was sharing in that man's misery by touching him everybody in that crowd could have been like jesus i was following you till you touched that guy but now the law demands that i can no longer touch you i can't you're unclean you you obviously don't even know the law i can't be with you you know what i, I gotta go he explained Exposed himself to misery. He said, you bear shame and I'll bear it with you. He said, you bear loneliness, I'll sit with you when nobody sits with you. Even the lepers didn't want to be around each other. Man, that's love. That's mercy. Jesus, he exemplified this kind of fighting compassion when he saw the morning at lazarus's death and everyone's crying oh my gosh we've lost lazarus we love him so much and he saw the pain and he thought to himself this is not what i created and you know what he did it said he became angry at what at who death he said how dare you that's it, me and you, we're headed for a showdown and I'm going to take you out. And that's what he did. And how did he do it? Not by bringing down hell from above. No, he gave himself over. Now we're hitting on what it is to be merciful, amen? Israel was too nearsighted to see what God was doing there in their midst and wanted to do. We have to be very careful as to not become nearsighted Christians because it grows in us dull, apathetic, and self-focused hearts. We have been blessed not to amass. We have been blessed to bless. We have not been saved to go to heaven. We have been saved to bring heaven to where we're at. Are we going to do it perfectly? No, we're going to fail, but that doesn't stop us from doing it. All right, Jesus showed us mercy from the moment of his incarnation. First of all, he came to us. That's a big thing. We say it every Christmas. Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. You can say it that easily because you don't understand it. Think of people that you despise and they despise you the most right now. Think to yourself what it would be for you to visit them Bring them lavish gifts, sit in their front room, and try to love them when they don't want anything to do with you. Then you'll understand the depth of what it means, Christ amongst us, with us. The only reason a king would ever come to a people who are in hostile rebellion is to kill the rebels and to burn their homes. But Jesus didn't do that. He came to live in our cities. He came to eat in our homes. He came to serve us. He came to lead us. He came to feed them. He came to wash and heal our wounds and infections and he ultimately came to sacrifice himself so that we could be set free. He suffered emptiness of separation so that we could have the presence of God in abundance, overflowing, so potent in my life that others feel what God is doing in me. Man, man, that's purpose, that's power, that's glory, that's mercy. He suffered darkness so that we could live in light that grows us, nourishes us, and makes us healthy. He suffered thirst so that we could have endless water. Because sometimes this world is thirsty. It's dry and barren. Jesus showed mercy to a physically hungry people. They were tired. He could have just said, Yeah, go figure it out yourself. But no, what did he do? He took two little fish and five cakes of ripe bread and he fed them all. Jesus showed mercy by allowing himself to be exhausted. Healing the illnesses of the people, sometimes from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., 14-hour-long shifts. What do you do after a 14-hour shift? Get away from me. Mom, Dad, get up, tap. Take care of it. Did Jesus say, close the door, don't open it back up? No. Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted. He's going in this direction. People would interrupt him all the time. Why? To meet special needs of individuals that most likely would never have saving faith. Wow. It's one thing to serve the people who are in our lives and in our family, the ones we love. It's quite another to serve people who have rejected you, to exclude you. Jesus looked for people that society keeps at its margins because they were too messy or they're too too needy or worse. They were seen as unredeemable. And I thought to myself as I wrote this down, you know how easy it is for me to look at the drug addict and on the street and go, well, you made these decisions. And it's true, I'm not lying. But I think to myself, how easy it could have been for me to be there. If God would have just taken one person out of my life. Uh, Jesus showed mercy to Peter. How? The hour's coming, Folks. It's, it's here. It's upon us. And I'm going to give my life over. And you guys are going to run away. And what does Peter say? No, I, 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 they will. He will. She will not. Not me. I love you too much. And what did Jesus say to him? I can almost see it in my mind's eye. He looked at him not with disappointment, but with compassion. He goes, "Oh, Peter, you're so hard to learn. But you're going to learn tonight. Before the rooster crows once, you'll deny me three times. But don't worry." I prayed for you, and you're going to come back. He gave it to Thomas. Remember Thomas? I'll never believe. There's no way. Jesus come back to death. I've never seen that happen. You guys imagine this thing. He goes, I'll never believe not till I put my fingers in his hands and in his side. What does Jesus do when he comes out of the grave? The first person he comes to see. He's like, here, give me your fingers, Thomas. Here, goes. Feel it. Feel my hands. He allowed himself to be inspected like a side of beef. For unfaith. He could have said, I told you for three and a half years you didn't listen. Now you're out. No. He said, feel it, touch it, prod it. Man, let's get done with this sermon. Amen. See, Claire Ferguson said this, if I want to have mercy reign in my life, I must be willing to get down on my hands and knees and do something To restore dignity to someone's life who has been broken by sin. If I want to have mercy reign in my life, I have to be willing to have mercy on the one who doubts. That's Jude 2. God's word is perfect, but my understanding is not. The Christian life will sometimes be filled with many unanswerable questions, many times where we doubt. But true saving faith, I know, is riddled with doubt. But the one who understands, the one who is used by God, doesn't look down on the one who has doubts, gives them quick and easy answers. Like, you failed, brother. Oh, you, you shouldn't be there, brother. How? Hey, It's a sin, brother. No, it's the one that goes, man, I, I get it. I get it. Here, the one who wants who wants to be covered by, by mercy, you must remember what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8. Most of all, continue to show deep love for one another. Why? For love covers a multitude of sins. You know what, that's how we really love. You know what, when someone is doing something that I know they shouldn't be doing, that's not me saying, oh, well, babe, as long as you're happy, It's okay. Or me taking what they did and and sweeping. it That's why so many people can't forgive. It's like, are you asking me to sweep this under the rug? No. That doesn't bring. You know, God didn't sweep our sin under the rug. He put it on Jesus' shoulders and made him pay for it. You and I must pay for the sins of other people. We must be willing to say, yeah, you did act poorly. Yes, you did cheat me. Yes, you have lied to me. Yes, you did steal from me. But I'm going to accept it. And you know what? Because I love you, I'm going to forgive you. That's what he says. Let's stand up. Paul says this. This is our final word. In First Corinthians 13, Love never rejoices in the downfall of another person. Love never finds satisfaction when someone fails or wags their finger at the downfall of another person. That tells you that the law has not hit the mark. Love always protects, it always hopes, and it always trusts. Trust what? That God can fix any problem, that he could correct any flaw, and he can restore any house, no matter how damaged it may be. Let's rejoice.
1: I'm living through. Of what the mercy of God can do. If you knew me then, you believe me now. He turned my whole life upside down, took the old and he made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do now i'm alive to tell the story how i've overcome it's his goodness and mercy the power of his blood i'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what i've done but the goodness and mercy the power of his blood I thought I deserved to be six feet beneath the earth. for all the things I've said, the things I've said, the choices made that I regret, oh, I would still be lost, oh, but for the mercy of God. story how i've overcome it's his goodness and mercy the power of his blood i'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what i've done but the goodness and mercy the power of his blood by your power Lord was the cross meant for me that my savior carried now I've been made free by the mercy of God was the grave meant for me where my cross meant for me that my Savior carried, now I've been made free by the mercy, yes we have, was the grave meant for me, where my sin laid buried, now I stand redeemed by the mercy of God. I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome. It's His goodness and mercy, the power of His blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. But the goodness and mercy. And the power of his blood, oh, his goodness and mercy. And the power of his blood, his goodness and mercy. And the power of his blood.
0: You know what we do all the time, so you don't even need me to tell you. We hold hands. Man, we belong with each other. That's why this isn't something I do. It's something I'm a part of. I belong here. You know what? Even if you're being forced to do it, you're here because God is chasing you. Man, you guys must love each other. I hear all sorts of giggles. (laughs) All right, let's pray together. Thank you. All right. Father God, we just want to say this, thanks. I, I know that that uh, sounds kind of, uh, We should say thank you, but thanks. Because what you gave us was not something that we, we should have gotten. By rights, we shouldn't have gotten it. But you chose to give it to us. As a matter of fact, if I understand it correctly, you created us to receive it. And Lord God, I really want us to grab it. Just like Paul, I'm thinking about the verse where he says, If it's one thing I pray for, it's this, that you would grasp with all the saints how deep and wide and high and far is the love of Christ. I pray that you would pour your love on us because I know this, I don't have mercy and love to give unless I get it in abundance from you. Lord God, please capture our minds and hearts by how much you have proven Your love for us. Help us to love the people around us so that you can love them through us. And we pray this with one voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I love you. Praise God. Always. It's okay, don't, you you need to just listen.